The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. God, thank you so much again for your love for us and the fact that you would invite us to be vessels through which your love goes to bless our community and to reach those who uh, do not yet know you. God, we pray now that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear from your word and to have it shape started this series last week looking at habits. Was it last week? Last week, okay. If you missed last week, you can go on our, our website, hopehillchurch.org, and listen. It was a good start. At least, uh, you know, I'm a little biased because I went and taught it. Uh, but if you want to catch up and figure out what we taught, uh, hopehillchurch.org, you can listen to week one. Today, we're going to be talking about starting new habits. Uh, we're in the season of Lent. A lot of people look at that at, at the church calendar and see this as a time of preparation leading up to Easter. During the season of Lent, a lot of people have developed the, uh, the tradition of having uh, something they give up, a habit they're trying to break, or some habit they're trying to take on during the season. Uh, statistics have shown that if you can do something consecutively over and over again for 27 days, it'll become a new habit. And uh, so there's still 27 days or more before uh, Easter. So if you want to try and take on a new habit, we want to encourage you to do so. There's some great habits in our life that will help to shape us to become the people God has made, led us to, uh, made us to be. And uh, so this morning, we're going to be talking about starting new habits. Now, think about your last normal work day. For those of you that maybe uh, work at home as a stay-at-home parent, that's a full-time job. You need a raise. Uh, so let's hear it for our stay-at-home moms and dads. Anyone, any out there? Yes, we got a few. Uh, but for those of you who, who, who wake up uh, and go to work, you might uh, work from home, uh, think about your last normal day. Uh, chances are your last normal day was very similar to the day before that and the day before that. Uh, you probably had some type of way of waking up. Maybe it was alarm or your body just in this pattern of waking up at the same time every day. Anybody like that? No matter where you are, you just wake up. Got this internal alarm clock. You probably woke up, and then maybe your routine is, uh, for some of you who use an alarm, maybe it's hitting the buzzer. Uh, maybe it's uh, immediately going down and getting that fresh cup of coffee that was set to brew uh, right just the way you like it. Uh, maybe for you, you then uh, did some exercise or you uh, exercised one of your new habits, maybe reading the Bible as you enjoyed that cup of coffee. And then for those of you that shower in the morning, maybe you had to shower, you got dressed, uh, you kissed your spouse, and you went off to work. 
At work, you spent the same day with the same kind of people doing the same kind of things. Work finished, you got in your car and you drove home. For many of you, you probably aren't even conscious about the drive. You do it all the time. You do it in your sleep. Some of you do sleep while you drive. And, but somehow, some way, you get home. Uh, you kiss the kids. You help prepare dinner. You eat. You clean up after dinner. You throw the kids in the bathtub. When it always escapes, you go and get them, throw them back in. After the bathtub, you then put them to bed. You read them a story. You pray with them. And then you go and cuddle up to your spouse and you binge, binge watch a couple shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, how, many of them, how many of you, I'm hitting the nail right on the head. And then after that's done, maybe you lean in a little close, you kiss your spouse, you try and make a little move, they reject you, you go to bed upset. The next day, you wake up and start all over again. Yeah? In 2006, Duke University put out a study showing that 40% of the things you do every day are not a result of conscious choices we make, but of habits that we establish in our lives. 40%. 40% of the things that we do. Last week we talked about how um, in our life, it's, it's about the small little things that we, re- we do over and over and over again. It's the things that we do repeatedly that other people don't that lead us to become the people that God wants us to be. There was a study, I I recommended a couple books, one called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And one of the key points that he has in his book is that it's not our goals that lead us to be successful. Most of us have very similar goals. We have goals that are either related to good health or financial goals, getting out of debt. I don't know many people that have a goal of doubling their debt this year, although many of us live that way. Uh, many of us have goals that are uh, about being, becoming a better person or, or having better relationships. Uh, James Clear says it's not our goals that determine our success. Many of us have the same goals, but from person to person, we have very different results. Some can be drastically different. It's not our goals that determine our success. It's our systems that determine our success. To quote James Clear, he says, you don't rise to the level of your goals fall to the level of your systems. Uh, I looked at the book of Daniel last week. He mentioned uh, some systems in the Bible, certain people, certain characters in the Bible that had a a habit, a a process, a system that they fell back to. Jesus often, he would spend time with the masses of the crowds, loving on on them, uh, feeding the hungry, uh, healing the sick, taking care of the poor, Uh, But we saw consistently in the life of Jesus that he often pulled away to have alone time, to spend time alone, to to withdraw from the crowds, to to pray to the Father. We looked at Daniel, and we looked, there was something about Daniel that set him apart. Today we're going to take a little closer look at one part of his life that, 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 that led us to see why Daniel stand out, stood out. If you want to read the story of Daniel, it's one of my favorites. It's in the Old Testament. It's under the book by his name, Daniel. And you can see that the story is basically about a group of teenagers who are Israelites. And during the Babylonian captivity, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the time, comes in and he takes over Israel and he takes captive Daniel and a bunch of other teenage boys. They take them in, and instead of putting them in prison or wiping them out, Nebuchadnezzar has a mindset of, we're going to brainwash and train these boys into becoming servants of our own. 
We're going to put them through a series of tests. We're going to teach them our arts. We're going to teach them our ways of doing things. And we see that from the beginning, Daniel chapter 1, Daniel had certain habits in his life that allowed him to excel, that allowed him to be set apart, that allowed him to be different. And he could do certain things while staying true to his faith. He had purpose in his heart that he did not allow to die. Throughout the Old Testament, we see that the, the priests, the Levites, the prophets, would often encourage their families to talk about the law of God and their comings and goings, to write it on their doorposts of their home, to discuss it with their children, to let it be on their hearts and on their minds and their mouths regularly. Daniel had certain habits that he kept that allowed him to stand out. And many of us know Daniel because of the story of Daniel and the lion's den, right? How many of you heard that story? A few, a few of you have heard that story. Daniel goes to the lion's den, not to pet a lion, not at the zoo, but this was a form of punishment. We're going to see what led to it. And that's an impressive story, but one of the most impressive things that sticks out to me about Daniel is that it's, it's said of Daniel that he was the top of his class. There was about 120 or so peers of Daniel's that were all excelling, that were all, you know, passing all the tests that Nebuchadnezzar had set out for them. But Daniel rose above the rest. And many times success breeds jealousy. And a lot of Daniel's peers, a lot of the leaders from Babylon did not like to see this Israelite, this Hebrew boy, somehow excelling, and they wanted to take him out. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 says this. It says, At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel distinguished himself. According to Daniel chapter 4, the king had planned to set him over the whole kingdom. What made him stand out? What pattern or system did Daniel develop in his life? Was it a spirit of excellence? Was it that he was just a really hard worker? Was it that he was dedicated? Was it that he had great leadership skills? What was going on? The other guys tried to find weakness, and they could not find any. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt or negligent. And so they said, we've got to keep looking. Finally, these men said, we will never find any. This is verse 5, Daniel chapter 6. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They knew they couldn't find anything in, in Daniel the man. So they went after his faith. They examined him. They saw that he was excelling in all ways. And so they went to attack his faith, his God. And so here's what they did. They came up with this plan. King Nebuchadnezzar was a very uh, self-centered, egotistical individual. And they thought they could use that to their advantage. So they go up to the king and they talk him into establishing this new law. And they say, oh, king, you are so worthy. There is no one like you. And we want you to declare a law that over the next 30 days, no one is allowed to pray to anyone or any God except for you. And if they do, 
if they do not show that they're dedicated to you, if they do not show that, that you're worthy of their worship, we believe that you should have them executed by throwing them to the lion. And King Nebuchadnezzar, all in to himself, said, you know, that's a great idea. I am worthy of prayer and praise. Let this be so. And so Daniel, one of the king's favorites, was not on King Nebuchadnezzar's mind. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar ends up feeling bad that he made this law because he realizes, uh-oh, Daniel's a faithful guy. He might have to do something about it. But he knew he, he, knew he couldn't go back on his word, and so Daniel set out. And look at, look at this passage of uh, Scripture in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. This law is passed. The decree is made known. You pray to anybody else, you're going to have time with the lions. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, giving thanks to God, underline this next phrase, just as he had done. Daniel did not falter. One small step after another. What did Daniel do? Not once, not twice, not when it was convenient, not when he had watched every show on the top ten list of Netflix shows to be watched. He set out each and every day to pray. Three times a day. Every single day, he would stop to pray, stop to seek God, stop to have times of being withdrawn and alone, to be intimate with, intimate with God, to seek his face, to pray for discernment, to pray about decisions that need to be made, to bring his requests, to bring his praises, to bring his burdens. Three times a day, Daniel came, just as he had done before. One small habit, developing intimacy, surrendering to God, Developing an identity. One small habit changed his life forever. And for us, we need to realize and never underestimate how powerful one small habit done consistently over time will bring big changes in your life. And we should never underestimate how God can do something big in one small habit. Our encouragement is to look at Daniel and to see even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of his life being threatened, stayed faithful. He kept these habits. Dewey, in, in his book that I recommended yesterday, talks about keystone habits. Coming up with one small habit that you're going to do over and over again that leads to life change. What is your one small habit that God wants you to do? What is the one thing that God is causing you and leading you to do? And when I look back at my own life and I look at my own uh, systems of developing habits. I remember as a junior hire, being away at a summer camp, being challenged to read the Bible every day. We were given a devotional, basically a little story, kind of bringing uh, an application to an assigned scripture, and you'd read a small passage, maybe it was a verse or two, and then a challenge of how to apply that to your life routine. And it took about seven minutes. And for me, I wanted to do some, I wanted to have it easy, kind of go through some things we need to do to make habits happen. And so one thing I, I realized is that every day I went to the bathroom. I don't know if that's common for you. 
but I, I, I visit the bathroom daily. And so I, instead of having a magazine or a book, I put my devotional in the bathroom, knowing that every day after school I did not like these in-school bathrooms. Anybody here agree with me? And um, so every day after school I'd go home, and I'd have my time uh, in the bathroom, and I'd pick up my Bible, my devotion, and it was a seven-minute system. I haven't went to my bathroom in six months, and that's what seven minutes of that is. And I would sit there, and I would read my Bible, and I'd read my devotion, and I'd answer the questions of the day. And it turned into a habit. And before long, it was that, that devotion for me, it was like I had a taste of, of the goodness of God, and it wasn't enough. And then I developed a habit of reading the Bible in a year, and I would read so many pa- chapters a, a night. And I, would, I wasn't a very, I know a lot of spiritual mentors of mine, they would get up early their Bible time. For me, I like staying up late, so I read my Bible at night. And Bible reading turned to also praying. And so at night, each night before I go to bed, I'd, I'd read a few chapters, and I wanted to feel a sense of accomplishment, so I, I wanted to be able to say, you know, I read a whole book. And so I would start with, like, the book of Jude. Turn to the book of Jude. And chapter 1. And that's it. One chapter. Uh, then then third John and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And so I started with small. But, you know, babies, you don't give a baby a, a, a T-bone steak, right? You, you give them small, bite-sized pieces. And, and, and for me, that's how I started out. And I, got, I developed this appetite of wanting to be in God's Word. Then after developing the appetite of, of, of being in God's Word, I developed the appetite of praying often. And the next, the next habit for me as a teenager was tithing. Uh, some of you have been here a while enough. I, was, I remember the first day I really tithed. I had lawned some, uh, mowed some lawns. I earned 20 bucks. Went to church that day, excited because after church we were going to a flea market, and I knew that they sold skateboards for 20 bucks, good quality skateboards. And uh, so the the message was on tithing, and I'm like, God, this is not the right day for tithing. I need my 20 bucks. I need that skateboard. And the whole service it was just hitting me. You know, be faithful, trust in God. You can't outgive God. So at the end, I was like. It's a $20 bill. I can't give you two because you'll have to tithe it next week. And during the prayer time, my dad gave me a tenth and then one. Fine. So I tithed my two bucks, and we went to the, free, uh, to the, free sale, the uh, flea market. And um, the guy wasn't there trying to sell skateboards. And I'm like, oh, God, I see you. He wasn't even here. It's kind of like a little test. So. We're walking around thinking, you know, we go to flea markets like once a month. And so so we're walking around, and, and my second favorite thing is the Chinese garden at night. That guy, right? Swords and stuff like that. So I'm over there, and I'm like, wow, these Chinese gardens are kind of cool. They're three bucks. And I'm just like, man, I have eight coins. I can spend three now, and I have 15. I can mow another lawn this week and make enough, come back next time, have the skateboard and the Chinese garden. It's done. So I bought the Chinese star. So I'm down to 15 bucks. Now we're ready to leave. And as we're leaving, guess who shows up? The skateboard guy. He, he slept in that day. And so he's setting up his little uh, skateboard shop. And I'm walking out. We're leaving. And I'm like, my parents are still looking at some rugs or something they were buying. And so I'm over there leaving. I'm like, oh, I'll just pick out the one I want for next time. And I'm looking at all the skateboards. And the guy comes up and says, you want one? I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to get it next time. I only have 15 bucks. He says, it's yours. It's 15 bucks. God blessed me with a Chinese star and a skateboard simply because I started the habit of tithing. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. So, 
tithing. Tithing became a habit in my life. It, uh, uh, I never made a lot of money, so it wasn't huge steps, but it was bite-sized pieces that counted over time. Uh, if you want to know who made a lot of money, it was Gary. He, he, he would make a lot of money, and he'd save it and buy huge G.I. Joe collections. And, and uh, yeah. So, um, so I started developing these habits, daily devotions, uh, daily prayer, tithing, uh, praying for my friends. I, I, I started feeling real convicted. We were, at a, we were at a summer camp, Gary and I and a bunch of our youth group. And I remember that night, Gary bawled like crazy. And we saw the 70s version of the Good Samaritan story. And, and our youth pastor got up and told us about how, how so many of our friends are beaten up by the devil and they're left for dying and they don't know the way to freedom and they don't know the way to salvation. And we need to make a difference. We're gonna, we need to be that Good Samaritan. So that year, I, 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 I could have brought it. I have a Bible that has like a list of all my friends who I knew weren't Christian. And I just started writing their names and praying every day. And then I learned how to share my faith. I learned a way to present the gospel. And I started committing once a week, God, help me find a way to share my faith. And it, it got to the point to where I was sharing my faith two, three times a week and seeing my friends come to know the Lord. And it was one small decision after another, developing one small habit after another that led me to who I am today. You know, I still have a lot of flaws. Ask my brother, ask my wife, ask the people who work closer to me. There's still a lot of things not so great about me, but I'm trying to, one small decision at a time, develop habits in my life that will shape me. Keystone habits. What are those habits in your life? Don't underestimate the effect of one small act developing and happening over and over again that will lead you to become the people you want, you want to be, the people that God wants you to be. So last week we talked briefly about it's not about just piling on habits. It's not just about a to-do list, but a, a who list. The question I asked is, isn't what do you want to do? What, what additional thing do you want to do? But the first question is, who? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? Who is it that you're trying to be? And allow that to be the source from which your do flows. Do you want to be a godly parent? Then start setting a good example. Maybe set a time, time instead of just sending your kids to bed, go in and tuck them in and actually pray over them. Ask them about their day. Ask them about their struggles. Pray with them about that. Set that example. Do you want to be more of a bold witness? Start praying that God would give you a soft heart for your coworkers, your neighbors who don't yet know Jesus, and start praying for them by name. Do you want to be a person who breaks a genera- generational line of obesity? You know, if you look back, most of your family, they're overweight, they have poor health. Then, then, then start counting calories. Start eating right. Start eating healthy. Do you want to be a person that becomes clean and sober? Then start making the decisions that you know you need to make to become the who that God wants you to be. Based on who you want to become, in your notes, based on who you want to become, what one habit do you need to start? Not what ten things do you need to do, but what one simple habit can you start to help you become the who that you know you need to be? Think about that for the next few moments as we, we wrap up. What one small habit do you need to do? Do you want to become someone who cares? Then maybe for you it's writing one note of appreciation a day. 
you want to become a person that's more organized, then start by making your bed each morning. Do you want to be someone who's the godly example for your team? Then don't just read the Bible, but set up a Bible plan that you read together. So you're, you're reading the same verse every day. You're checking in with your children every day. Do you want to be a person that's more focused? Then start by creating a to-do list, to -do list of, of, of the responsibilities and priorities that you need to do to help you to become that more focused person. Do you want to become a person who's more healthy? Then maybe start by eliminating soft drinks. One small step. Don't, don't, don't come up with this huge system because that may last a week or two, but then it will just fall apart. What one small thing can you begin to do that will lead to big change in your life? How do you do this? How do we do this? We, we create a system. We don't just come up with goals. I want to lose weight. I want to be better in shape. But more, who do you want to be? And do one small thing to help you take the step in that direction. There's a lot of different books, a lot of different studies that will tell us how we can create a new habit. And I want to, in your notes, I've, there's a circle there. And this is, this is a commonly known thing. I didn't come up with this, but it makes a lot of sense. So I want to just go over it briefly with you. There's, there's this thing called a habit loop. And it starts with a trigger. There's some kind of cue, something happens. Maybe it's you walking by a fridge. Maybe it's something you see. Maybe it's something you hear. There's some trigger. You being bored, you being hungry, you being lonely, you being tired. There's some situation, some trigger that happens in your life, and it initiates an action. It leads to a response. You, the trigger happens, and then the next thing is you respond. You, you, get, you get triggered, you do the act. You, you see it, you eat the cake. This happens, you pray for your kids. This happens, you sleep in later. This happens, you yell at someone. This happens, you eat a second hamburger. What is it? What is it in your life that triggers things and then leads to actions? And the third thing is, is the action leads to a reward. You get the dopamine. You get the sugar rush. You get the pleasure. You get the extra seven minutes of sleep. And that reward leads you back to the cycle. The trigger leads to the action, leads to the reward, and we're forming habits. So how do we use this system in a way that creates positive, life-changing habits to help us to become the who that God wants us to be? There are two things I want to discuss briefly this morning that are going to lead us to form good habits. Number one is we're going to make it obvious. We're going to make the, the trigger and the action, we're going to make it obvious, and we're going to make it easy. Those are your two blanks. We're going to make it obvious. If you want to change what you do, you've got to change what you see. So if you want to become a person who reads more, then I encourage you to take whatever book it is that you're feeling led to read, Put it on your pillow, and every night when you go to bed, ah, I see it, there's a trigger. Read that chapter, read that section before you go to sleep. If you want to be a person who gets more healthy and there's certain pills or vitamins, don't just keep them in a drawer in a medicine cabinet. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it. Put it right next to your toothbrush. That's what I do. And I have to take blood pressure medicine. I have to take, I had thyroid cancer, so now I have to take medicine for that. And, and I have to do it every morning. So I put it right near my toothbrush. Now, hopefully you brush your teeth daily. For me, that is true. So I see my toothbrush daily, every morning, and the, the pills are right next to it, okay? And 
And so for me, there's a trigger. We want to make it obvious. Put it in the place where you're going to see it. The second thing is we're going to make it easy. So, again, maybe it's for you, 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 know, you want to be spending time in God's Word. Well, make it easy. Don't force yourself, you know, this month I'm going to read the entire Old Testament. You won't make it. Instead, maybe make it one small bite size. Maybe it's the verse of the day. If you have a, if you have a smartphone, you can get any one of a number of Bible apps. Uh, one of my favorites is called the Version Bible app, and it's got thousands of versions, and it reads to you, and it will send you a verse a day. And maybe for you, it's just creating that habit. I'm going to start. And maybe after 27 days, you see a streak, and you think, I'm a streak, like with other social media. I'm going to, yay, celebrate. You get like badges and trophies. It's weird. And, um, and so after 27 days, you're like in this habit, and, and you're growing an appetite. You, it's not good enough just to read the verse a day. Now you're wanting to read the whole chapter around now. Where did that verse come from, and what does it really mean? And, and before you know it, you're growing. You're taking one small step. Make it easy. Don't set yourself up for failure. It might be that you want to begin praying with your spouse. I know sometimes that, that's weird. I know for me, I had certain habits before I got married and certain things I did before bedtime that all needed to change once I got married. I'm not going to elaborate. But anyway, uh, for you, maybe it's easy for you to be close with your spouse. You can be intimate with your spouse, but praying, that's a whole new level. Prayer is kind of private. I kind of do that on my own. I encourage you. Every night, every morning before you go to work, grab your spouse's hand and pray about just one thing. Just, dear God, thank you so much that we have peace in our home. Amen. Dear God, thank you so much that we have a car that's not broke down. Dear God, thank you so much that we didn't kill one of our kids. Just one small thing. Pray with your spouse once a day, and it will develop the habit of praying your life. If you want to begin journaling, that was a habit I, I just never was able to get going. I just would forget, or I, 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 until I got a waterproof notebook and a waterproof pen, and now I journal in the shower. I know it sounds kind of awkward and weird, but uh, I journal now. Uh, for you, maybe it's, it's in the area of exercise. Maybe you do 10 push-ups a day. If you can't do 10, do 5. If you can't do 5, do 1. If you can't do 1, lay down on the ground, get back up, and do it every day. Do something. And what you're doing is you're beginning to make easy steps. One small step after another, consecutively done, will lead you to big change in your life. That's what we want to see. We want to see ourselves become more disciplined and more dedicated to the who God wants us to be so that we can see him do some changes in our life. What are we doing? We're building a system. And so for you on your, on your note page, as we bring this to a close, there's a note page. And I want you to start to pray and think about this. Our worship team is going to come up here in a second. And during that time, I want you to pray and ask God, what's the one thing that you want me to do? Or what's the one thing that I started doing that I really want to see continue past Lent? I know for, for many, they're like, you know, I'm going to do this for 40 days this Easter. And then come Easter, I'm partying. You know, I'm going to... I'm a, I did it for 40 days, I'm good. What one thing that you'll keep doing, and then 20 years from now, adding just one small action a year, you know, 20 disciplines you've created, helping you form it. So in your blank, it says, I will do blank after I blank. 
I will do blank after I blank. It might be as simple as I will eat, I will do the dishes after I eat. Mason, say, did you have that? I didn't say that. Okay, I thought you did. <laughs> All right. So anyways, what is it that you're going to do? And set a trigger. I will do this after this. For you, it might be after I make a cup of coffee, I'm going to read my Bible verse each day. After I put my kids to bed, I'm going to do a 30-second plank. After I brush my teeth, I'm going to journal one sentence. After I journal one sentence, I'm going to hold my wife's hand, and we're going to pray and thank God for one thing. What is it that you're going to do, that you're going to start doing each and every day, that will be set off by a trigger that will lead to an action? We have to develop systems. Uh, You might say, I'm not a person with systems. You are, whether you think so or not. You go through your life, and there are triggers that happen all the time that lead you to do the things you do all the time, and some of it isn't always good. So you might say, I'm not a person of systems, I'm not a person of habit, but you are. And so the thing is, today we want to help you to start making good habits. Next week we'll talk about how we break some bad habits. And today, what is it that God wants you to do? Name your cue and then list your actions. For Daniel, three times a day. I don't know if it was after he ate, he decided to pray. After he ate his ham, no, he didn't eat ham. After he ate his roast beef sandwich, he decided to pray. After he ate his salad, he decided to pray. I don't know what it was, but he had some way of praying three times a day for you. What is it going to be? Successful people do consistently what others only do occasionally. And we want to have goals that lead us to become the who. We want to have end goals and not just means goals. Here's what I mean. How do you know if it's an end goal and not a mean goal? A mean goal means that there is a so after your goal. I'm going to study hard so I can so I can get into the school I want to get into. When I get into the school, I'm going to do my best and complete my assignments so that I can have a good career. I want to have a good career so that I can make enough money. I want to make enough money so that I can one day get married. I want to get married and have a good life so that I can raise a family. And it always is putting off the, the reward, the success to the future. It's we always have so goals. And instead we want to have end goals, goals that help us to see it is that God wants us to be. So it's not about the what, I'm going to do this so that I can do this, but the who. Not what am I going to get out of this goal, not where am I going to go by accomplishing this goal, but who am I becoming as a result of meeting this goal? Who am I becoming? And the only who that really matters is that I am becoming more like Jesus Christ. So what is it? If it's truly your goal, to become more like God, then success is not somewhere out in the future. Success is you honoring God today. You making that one small action, that one small step of obedience today. Today, I honored God. I accomplished my goal. I am being like God today. And tomorrow, I do that one small step. I honor God with this action. I become more like Him. And each day, we are successful by walking in the Spirit by saying no to the flesh, by taking on the things that lead us to become the people that God has called us to be.
whenever we honor God in the small things, he is faithful to do big things. Let us honor God with our one small habit that leads us to become who he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father God, it's my prayer for myself. So, God, I pray that in my life you would help me to see clearly each day who you are calling me to be, that you're shaping me to be, that you're forming me to be, and that I would take steps and make decisions and set goals for me to conclude and to complete. And I pray that for each and every person in this room, that you would help us to be honest. As David said, search my heart. Search my heart. Search our hearts, God see if there's any unclean ways in us and show us how it is that you want us to deal with those things. Help us to become who you want us to be. If that's your prayer today, you say, Pastor John, that's my prayer. Along with you, I know there are habits I need to establish in my life. There are things that I definitely could start doing. There are small steps of obedience that could, that could start today that will help me to be the who God wants me to be. If that's true for you, Raise your hand right now, right where you're at. Raise them up all over. Father God, I pray for each and every hand in this room that is raised right now. As we come to you, I pray that you would help us to have the strength of your Holy Spirit and take the step forward that you're leading us to make, to do the thing that we know we need to start doing, one small action after another. Show us, God, and help us to make it obvious, make it easy in our life. We would start to do these things, like Daniel, one time a day, two times a day, three times a day. Help us do the things that would help us to find our identity. God, I also pray right now for those in this room who may not know who you are. I mean, they've heard of you. It's hard to live in the United States and not hear that there is a God and not hear that there is a Jesus. But if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, if I'm honest, I don't really have a relationship with my Creator. I don't have a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that God loves us. He desires to have a personal, intimate relationship with us. The Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to become one of us. And he knows that in and of ourselves, we we make mistakes, we fall, we fail, and Jesus loves us still. The scriptures actually tell us that if we simply confess that we know that we're not perfect, if we confess that we know that there are sins in our life, that because of Jesus going to the cross in our place, the scriptures tell us that when Jesus was on the cross, he took our sin 
sinned upon himself. He who never sinned became our sin. And when he died on the cross, the Bible says that as he was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins, his blood flowed for the forgiveness of the sins of whoever would put their faith and trust in the scriptures say that today is the day of salvation. If you are at a point where you're like, you know what, I don't know God the way I should. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I have never fully trusted in Him for the forgiveness of my sins. Today I know that the thing I need to start is I need to start with thanking Him. I need to start with putting my trust in Him. I need to start by calling on Him as my Savior and Lord. And so for you, You might say, I need him in my life, and I need him today. If you've never called out to him before, the Bible says if you believe in your heart that he came and died for you, and that he rose from the dead, and you confess with your mouth that you want him to be your Lord, then today you will be saved. You will become a child of his, and today will become the start of a new life for you. If you're here today and you said, that's I need to start. Before I start any other habit, I need to start a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I need Jesus in my life. I see that hand. Any others? I need you. I see that hand. Any others? I need Jesus in my life. I need to start with him. I need to start with him as my Savior and my Lord. Father God, I thank you for those who are calling out to begin anew in them something that they cannot do on their own. God, we are fallen, broken vessels, and we need your presence and your filling in our life to overcome the things that trip us up, to bring forgiveness over the areas of life that we're broken. And I pray that you would be our hope. You would be our healing. You would be our Savior. Come and make us new. Show us what it means, the one small thing one step after another that we can do to follow you to become the who that you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your unconditional forgiveness, for the many chances that I've fallen on my face so many times to steal your faith. Thank you for being my Savior. As our band closes us this morning, I want to invite each and every one of you who know Jesus as your Savior, think about the things we've talked about this morning. What is the one thing that God wants you to do to become the who that he's called you to be? On the night before Jesus was arrested, as he was sitting with his friends, he took the bread that was there and he broke it. And he said to them, this bread is a symbol of my body broken for you. As often as you eat of this bread, remember what I've done for you. Remember who I am to help you overcome the struggles and the bad habits in your life. Remember the sacrifice that I'm doing for you so that you can live for me. So as we take the bread, we dip it into the cup. This cup Jesus took and said is a symbol of the blood that I will shed for the sins of any who would put their belief in me. And so let us eat of the bread and taste of the cup, knowing that Jesus gave everything for us so that we could live for him.
you've given your heart to Jesus even today, I invite you to come. This is a Lord's Supper for his children. You are a child of God. We invite you. There's a station in the back to go through together, or you can come up front. I invite you to come and to obey Today you gave your heart to Jesus as some of you looked up at me and raised your hand. I celebrate that with you. I invite you to come and to pray with one of us. Uh, Gary and Andrew in the back, they'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. If you've got a struggle in your life that you want to pray about, see one of us before you leave and just say, hey, I could use some prayer. That's what we're here for. Father God, I pray now that you would move in our midst, that you would lead us to take that next step, that small step, Spirit to lead us. Thank you for your salvation and your love that frees us. Move among us now, we pray in your name.